This is the Blockade Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Jared. Wizardamusement.com, the site to visit for custom pinball shooter rods. Easy to install, totally unique. Mention Blockade Podcast for 10% off your order. Wizardamusement.com, sales, restoration, customization. Happy New Year! You are listening to The Blockade Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freebus, a.k.a. Shut Your Trap. Joining me, as always, in the future, Jared Morgan. Hey, hey, hey. Yes, for the future I am. It is, uh, it's Sunday here, and uh, things are looking good so far. So, so you far. Guys, you guys in the Northern Hemisphere? Yes, we are. Uh, uh, Southern yet. California is, uh, is, well, actually, all of California is experiencing a, a uh, moisture spell, which is very good for us since we are so drought ridden. Um, but they, mm. they have said up in Northern California, the Pineapple Express has uh, flown in. And uh, to give you an idea, they described it as a river of rain in the sky. <laughs> um, a river of rain yes. in the sky. And uh, okay. the, the major uh, ski resort up north, Mammoth Mountain, they are expecting 20 feet of snow in... 20? Oh, jeez. 20 feet in less than a week. So <laughs> Wow. So there's actually not going to be there's any buildings left snow. up there. <laughs> it's just going to be like little peaks of buildings sticking out if you need to get into any of the ski lodges. I always imagine that the, the, the ski lifts are basically going to be about five feet above the snow. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's going to be easy. You just jump off them wherever you want and just go back down the mountain again. Yeah, it's amazing. With that kind of snow dump, uh, Mammoth will be open for skiing probably all the way into July, wow. which is just insane. So it'll have yeah. that much snow banked up, I guess, that it will be able to sustain skiers going down it for that long. Yes. Wow. That seems incredible. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's it's nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, so we we have only gotten drizzles here down in Southern California. We're expecting all week, though, to be uh, getting douses of rain. So that should make driving on the freeway rather fun because we have no clue how to deal with that. <laughs> no. No. Uh, I think I've seen some snow falling in weird places. I follow this account on Twitter called Silverball Museum. But they they have snow down there, and that's really unusual for them. So, uh, yeah, very strange times indeed. That's right. No such thing as climate change. Um. No, no. It's deny, deny, deny. There is no such thing as climate change. <laughs> Repeated over and over and over again. Last time I talked about yeah. the stress cube that I had uh, purchased and fiddled around with in my hands while uh, doing the podcast here. And we were informed, or I was informed uh, yep. then, that that's not the original. And <laughs> they're not the ones that did the Kickstarter. In fact, the people that did the Kickstarter, they are known as the Fidget Cube. Now, I did a little uh, research on this. Turns out the guys that came up with this idea for uh, the Fidget Cube, they held the Kickstarter. They were looking for something in the nature of 16 grand to uh, fund this thing. That's not that bad. They, not too bad. They got funded to the tune of, I believe, $6.3 million. Wow, that's not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. Now, yeah. obviously, what happened was, because this was so successful and got spread across all the news, 
everybody else decided, hey, let's jump on board with that. What do you mean because China just said, oh, that looks nice. We'll just go to the Kickstarter page and totally copy that design and then sell it for 99 Exactly, because in fact, they have not shipped out any fidget cubes yet. <laughs> You're kidding me. So they, um, <laughs> they've been left at the starting post. They, oh. are still, they are still waiting to ship out to all their Kickstarter people. Now, I'm not sure if that's... I'm, I'm going to caveat this mm. with saying... Uh, I'm not 100% sure on this because I have seen videos online of people in the UK that have gotten the official fidget cube, I believe. Um, mm. But I may not be wrong about or correct about that because it turns out that there are also Chinese knockoffs that are using the exact name fidget cube and packing them yeah, away. I that ordered way. one. I ordered one. <laughs> From, and right. It, it, cost so, me, it didn't cost me $19 US. It cost me something like $10 Australian. Uh, right. Now, one. here's the interesting thing, Jared, <laughs> and we'll see how yours turns out. But it turns out that the knockoffs yeah. are really, really quite crappy. Um, <laughs> for instance, there is a ball bearing on uh, on the, the, the cube that you can push in and mm -hmm. rotate nicely. And it turns out that on most of the Chinese knockoffs, the ball bearing does not push in at all, and it's really hard to, uh, to scroll with. Also, the little combination uh, gears... <laughs> On mine, it spins freely, and on the uh, some of the Chinese knockoffs, it's like click, 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 click. It's really hard to uh, to turn. Um, other things are the little uh, five button dice. Uh, they're made of rubber, except for the Chinese knockoffs are made out of hard plastic. And whereas this one has three that click and uh, two that make no mm -hmm. sound, Chinese ones all five of them click. Um, so there's apparently all sorts of little shortcuts or whatever, which made it... And Oh, and the Chinese ones are made out of plastic, whereas the fidget cube is made out of vinyl. So interestingly enough, stress cube, made out of vinyl, has the rubber buttons, um, has all the features that seem to be with the fidget cube. They are also going for a patent right now, but on their website it actually says not associated with ANSI Labs, who is the ones that are making the, uh, the true fidget cube. Fidget cube. Um, Fidget Cube is expected to start shipping out uh, this month to Kickstarter people, and then people that have ordered pre-order uh, are expected to be shipping out in February. So the real deal should be getting in people's hands soon. That being said, Stress Cube, <laughs> and I would and now if you go onto Amazon and type in Stress Cube again, tons of them. Not the official Stress Cube one either. Not the one sold by the site. So it, <laughs> so you would have to go to uh, thestresscube.com in order to buy the one that I bought, or you can go to ansylabs.com. They're the ones that are creating the actual fidget cube, the true, the true, the true one. Um, so I'm kind of interested. I'd like to actually get in my hands the actual fidget cube uh, and see how mm. much different it feels from from the one I had. The one issue I had with mine, the little joystick on top on uh, my cube, started sticking, so I didn't care for that. Uh, you, uh, for those watching the video, you can see I have it stuck in place now. It doesn't uh, oh, yeah, lock back like it should. So I got a hold of, uh, I sent a, an email to the Stress Cube. They got back to me real quick and sent me a replacement one. Oh, that's this, really good. As opposed to what some people were saying when they tried to contact some of these knockoff companies where they got zero response at all. And one person actually went and looked up their uh, address that they had listed, went and visited the place, and it was an empty shell of an office. <laughs> Yep, that's pretty so, common. Buyer beware. I'm very curious to know what you purchased there, Jared. <laughs> yeah, mine was actually branded Fidget Cube. I think it's got the little box with Fidget Cube on it. Yeah, um, I know. 
And so, the videos that I've seen I, of the Chinese people, knockoffs are exactly identical to that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I will see it. Um, I could tell you that for what it is, I wouldn't be yeah. between paying $20 US for it and then having to pay $30 to ship it over here. Right. Yeah. So yeah. if I can pay $12 for something that may work for a little bit and maybe 80% work, Yes. Don't work, but everything else works, then I'll be quite happy with saving $40 Australian on something <laughs> that kind of works and I can fidget around with it. Yeah, it's so, definitely not worth $40. I can say that much. Um, no. We're in overtime. I finally got around to playing Gladiator and Doctor Who Masters of Time. Okay. Gladiator. Is, there, is it me or is there something wrong with the tuning on this table? Um, the left and right well the left ramp and the right uh, called spinner loop yeah i cannot hit them to save my life by aiming the ball just goes on these funky angles and it's really highly annoying because that left ramp you got to hit all the time there's all sorts of times when it's being called for to hit it and i just yeah. i can't get it in a flow it just does not go at the angle that i want so i don't know uh, jared have you messed around with it Oh, I did when it was under beta testing, but I, I didn't touch it really much after that. Um, it, the left ramp, um, it's a late shot from the flipper, from what I remember anyhow. So you do have to be quite on the tip of it to get it up there. It's weird how they've actually got the, the ramp position in the play field. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a long ramp too. So it's a long way up to the top there. Yeah. Um, so if you, don't, if you don't get it right on, you will rattle back down on you. So if it's doing that and you're experiencing that, then that's right, basically. Yeah, on the positives in terms of a godly premiere, this falls into the category of like, say, uh, arrow-wise, I believe, of like teed off. And I say that be based off of all you have to do is look at the apron um, and see what, what lights they have because they like to put those lights on multiple tables. It was almost yeah. like, oh, we made them for one. Let's use them for all. Um, That's right. Yeah. But the voice call-outs, the way they kind of did the call-outs and uh, some of the sound effects kind of thing, it just reminded me of, of being from the era of teed off as opposed to uh, doesn't feel anything like Victory or uh, what was the latest? Oh, no, it's definitely not Victory. It's not that system. No. Yeah, it's basically the same era as Stargate and all those um, Gottlieb, the sort of DMD Gotley premieres. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. The um, the thing I noted is that there's a mode called Fire. It's announced as Fire and Rain, mm -hmm. but I think on the playfield it's actually Fire and Ice. So they couldn't even link the name of the round to wow. the, the name on the playfield, I think, for memory. I, I would have to go back and verify, but um, I believe that's actually what it is in the game. So it's great, great quality checking there, guys. <laughs> <sighs> that's about all I had time for with Gladiator, though. I was like, yeah, yeah it's forgettable. That's about all you need with Gladiator. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be enough. Moving on okay. to uh, Doctor Who Masters of Time. I want to say that, you know what? Farsight did a pretty good job with it, um, all things considered. I haven't, it hasn't been released on Android, so I have no idea what it's like. It um, is not terribly, I mean, none of the shots are different. Let's put it to you that way. Um, the. Mm. Rules are slightly different. They didn't alter them too much. Um, the only the difference on the play field is instead of having a two-ball lock that you can see, it's the uh, three-ball lock by shooting them into the TARDIS itself. And they're virtual. Uh, so they're, yeah. like, they're, not, they're not held. They're just like 
you would call them software controlled if it was a real game. Right. Um, yeah, like um, Attack from Mars. Yeah. Um, the thing that I love yeah. about it is that I can understand every single callout. Okay, it's cool. Um, that alone gets me playing it more than the regular Doctor Who. <laughs> um, yeah, because the poor old pre-DCS sound effects yeah. on the original Doctor Who are pretty uh, wobbly and garbled. Um, the the bummer is that the callouts are kind of just random. Um, uh, you know, it's it's that hey, we've got a whole bunch of voice callouts. Let's slap them in. You know, you hit a bumper and it slaps. You know, talks about it, but it's not. It doesn't feel like you're in the middle of a mode and callouts are being called out only for that mode. It's yeah, it's you know, very sort of just triggered rather than staged. Yes. Um, yes. So when you hit a target, it's the same callout all over again. So yeah, that's that a bummer. A bit- Hmm. That's a bummer. Uh, the DMDs that Farsight did, because uh, they did all new animations for uh, quite a few. I mean, they did quite a few animations. Really good job. I mean, they did a really oh, good yeah, job. Right. Um, so I was quite pleased with that. Uh, and then the the one other bummer is we don't get the Doctor Who theme. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And that was kind of that was kind of like oh, we couldn't pay for that. Bummer. Yeah, <laughs> um, or we, we weren't just given that as part of the package, you know, with yeah. the close collaboration with BBC, et cetera, et cetera. Like, come on. Yeah. Really? Oh, well. So here's here's what uh, what I would like fingers crossed. And uh, I was talking to Heretic earlier today, and he was really going off about it. And I was like, well, mate, it ain't going to happen. But you know what? Maybe if enough of us raise a stink, Farsight, don't give up on the table. If you can still implement rules, if you can still, you know, maybe be more cohesive, do what Stern does. They release a table, and then for the next year, they keep on doing patch updates and you know rule changes or whatnot. Don't give up on this yeah. table. No, just you know, leave it. Yeah. No, nurse it. Listen to feedback. Um, Roll it in. You know, you're. It's it's out. So don't feel like uh, you know nobody's waiting for it and going you know pressuring you. But take your time. If you come up with anything new, throw it in. Give us some, mm. you know, you, it would be wonderful to have this table update and, and again, take community feedback of what they would like to see now that they've got their hands on it and maybe implement it, maybe put it in. So mm. that's all I'm saying. I would love to see Give them continue to tinker with it, but I don't think they did uh, a terrible job at all. I think they did a very commendable job. Um, it's certainly not Ghostbusters. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, that's yeah. that speaks volumes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, yes, hopefully at some point they'll release it. I think they were they couldn't get it out before Christmas because there was just too much stuff in the pipe. Um, right. But um, I think they're looking at getting it out on Android this month. Um, they're already doing a um, uh, a test on um, a Stern Pimble Arcade update uh-huh. uh, in beta. Um, that's supposed to fix a, a fair number of issues. Um, some of the ones that have been reported and some that um, have been reported haven't been fixed yet. So like anything in software development these days, particularly games, it's an iterative process. So just stand by. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, good thing. Judge Dredd, so. while, while it's on my head. I finally got around <laughs> to actually playing that. <laughs> it's been like, you're like, what? That's been out a while. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes it takes a while. Um, so I was messing around with that. And I was having a good time. And then it got to the enter your initials spot. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. When most people do this, the default when using a controller in Pinball Arcade 
they have you using the trigger buttons for your flippers. Well, the triggers are not, it's a slow response. It's a long pull. So I yeah. always map it to the uh, shoulder buttons uh, above those. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I've got my control set up. The, the digital on off buttons right. rather than the analog. Exactly. Yeah. Now, when it comes time to enter initials, you always have to use the, uh, the triggers to enter your initials. The shoulder buttons don't enter the initials. Yeah. Okay. Well, it turns out that on Judge Dredd, no. there was four buttons. Yes. Uh, and Farsight likes to usually have the secondary buttons. You you know you just flip them and map them, right? Well, yeah. because I have them flipped on the map, but because whenever you normally did uh, uh, initial entering, it always just defaulted to the triggers, you can't enter your initials. It's impossible. Using the controller, it the is absolutely... Around. It doesn't turn around the mapping, and instead it just... just you you can't select you you push the the uh, the button to you know to move it either or and it just selects it you're not even pushing the select button on your controller it's just automatically selecting I don't know something's jacked up and I'm not the only person that has this issue because I looked it up on the forum um, hmm. doesn't happen on Android it's fine on Android you well that's because you're using no touch worries. or well no, no you said you're using no, controller I'm using controller it works fine. Well, on it, Android. it does not work fine at all on Steam, and it was rather annoying to me. The um, thing is, we can't map our buttons. We we only have two ways of switching our controllers, so we basically got touch. We got um, um, button mode A and button mode B. Button mode A um, sets the triggers, and button mode B uh, sets the it's the other way around. So it basically, just swaps the function on the two um, shoulder buttons, and that's it. So um, we don't have the configuration you guys do in Steam, which is why it works. <laughs> so because it's very locked down, and it's probably for a good reason. Um, yeah. Button mapping is fine, but uh, I've said this before in the podcast. But getting controllers to work in a game is actually really, really hard, really hard. So it's, it actually cost um, the the team at Butterscotch Shenanigans to get the controller implementation for Crashlands working it would have taken about 50 or 60 hours to get it right it is hard stuff to get right it's interesting um, that you say that because you were messing around with a game called snowball on steam or excuse me not on steam you're messing around with it on uh, android android yeah yeah snowball's an interesting sort of take on pinball i guess um, and it's, well, uh, we'll get into the what it is but first i wanted to talk about why i got involved um, so you were, you in inquired about whether or not they had controller support for the Android, correct? Correct. And they did not. So no. then they said, we do have it for Steam. And I was like, well, hey, I'd be no. glad to, you know, give a sample and try it out. So they sent me the code. So I was able to uh, download it and try it. And yeah, their controller scheme is all sorts of wonky. <laughs> admit in the conversation we had to them that they kind of guessed um yeah with, with how it worked and that's fine because you know if you're not into pinball if you're not into yeah. digital pinball you haven't actually played other titles you wouldn't know how to set up a controller right so yeah they they kind of guessed and they got it probably about 60 percent right but there were some big things that just went right and what were those things chris well, the for starters um everything is swapped backwards you might say the nudge 
is with your right analog stick instead of your left analog stick. That's annoying. Um, mm. The plunger is uh, your left analog stick, not your right analog stick. Um, so they're gonna, you know, flip flop that. Um, there, the there is no navigation with the controller in the menu, so you still have to use mouse. So that's mm. kind of a bummer. Um, so it was little niggly things like that. I, I emailed them what I thought would be better. And basically it was all just, why don't we go with what the standard way of doing things that Zen and TPA and uh, the Ask Homework, or oh, wait, it's not Ask Homework Zacharia. anymore. Zacharia. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, why don't we go with what they've all done and not what you've done, but. Hmm. <laughs> and that's pretty much, I think that's what they're aiming to do. So yeah. I think they're actually they're actually pretty good. They're a small little studio, Noodle Cakes Studios, and um, they they're pretty responsive. They're actually toying with the idea of putting control support in for Android, and I I sort of said, look, it, give it a go, but don't be surprised if it's really quite difficult or more difficult than you'd think. Yeah. And then I showed them a bit of the the lessons learned that you know we've seen on Farsight and the way they've chosen a particular API, which is the Moga API, which back about two or three years ago, was a really popular um, controller, um, uh, hardware controller that had its own um, integration layer. And it's I think it's actually caused more troubles than it was worth, rather than just going with the default Android um, API for controllers. But you guys said, so don't do that. Just go with the standard Android one, <laughs> and you basic in the game. So navigating menus won't be hard for them to wire in. And the game itself, very simple controls. So. Yeah, very simple um, controls. I, I don't think they're going to have a lot of trouble doing it at Android, but I'm not sure if it's actually going to be like something that happens. It's just something we've told them about. So they can do with it what they like. We're happy to help them out. So, Yeah, if you're wondering what kind of, of uh, pinball it is, the closest that I can come to uh, relating it is, hey, do you remember uh, Space Cadet? It's kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd probably just, recount it quite a bit like um, uh, if, if you've ever played a Game Boy game called Revenge of the Gator um, and you enjoyed that game, chances are you're probably going to enjoy this. Um, it's a, it's Instead of being split over multiple screens because of the limitations of the Game Boy, it's basically one massive play field that you can, that you can see at all times. And the ball, it, it, even the gameplay and the physics and everything reminds me a little bit of Revenge of the Gator in the way it is. Like, it's certainly not, you know, Super realistic physics. Um, so if you if you want that, this is not the title for you. Um, but if you just want something to flip around on the train when you're going to work, or you know you just want something casual um, to play, and you're not really wanting to get deep into anything, then give this a go. It's not that expensive uh, to pick up, and um, yeah, it's a fun distraction. It's a distraction, and it's got uh, music that all I could think of was uh, the Peanuts gang. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. got this piano music you can going turn on. Off, this. Off, no worries in Android. Good. And uh, you can switch between um, music on and sound off, sound on, music off, and music off, and and likewise. It just toggles through. So if you don't like it, you, you, can, um, you can turn it off and put on some thrash metal instead. <laughs> hey, uh, Farsight has been updating the Stern Pinball app. The controller support ha for on Steam has gotten better. It's still not 100% oh, there, but it has gotten better. Good news. You can now enter your initials. Um, you, hey, weren't able to, yeah, you weren't able to do that prior. Um, 
they have also announced that it will be uh, cross-purchase, yeah. cross-buy, whatever you want to say it, for any Stern table that you already previously owned in Pinball Arcade. It will be open for you in the game. Um, it's already been that way on Steam, but it will be coming to iOS and Android uh, shortly. Um, they made an announcement of that. Mm. Yes, I saw that as well, which is good to see. Um, one thing that's a little disturbing is that... Uh, on Android, they're actually doing what I feared they would do. Um, and the last time we spoke about the fact that they had opened up the, the device list quite wide, um, I think what they're actually doing now is they're actually tightening that device list. So that's that may bite them in the bum, um, but that will remain to be seen. Uh, other things pinball related. Jared, did you happen to see Stern's Aerosmith table? Yeah, I did have a little squiz at the pictures. Um, did you see video it of it though? Looks no, oh, a very very short one, not extended gameplay. I saw a um, video but, of it, and not so much the yeah. gameplay itself that I cared about, but their mm. DMD because they're now going full uh, full video DMD plasma. Yeah, full. Yeah, and looks I gotta right, say, eh? like it the... looks fantastic. I really really mm. liked it because it conveys yeah. All the information very clearly, which is my big problem with Jersey Jack's tables, is that it's just this. Yeah, it's very busy up there. On, of, on the, yeah, um, you know, the info that you can't like, figure out. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you need to quickly glance, see what you need to do, and not have to actually scan an entire like twenty-six inch plasma or yeah. you know, LC LCD and go, ah, uh, uh, okay, that's what I need to do. And by that time, your ball's drained. You know. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I found what they did to be a really nice evolution of a DMD screen into. Uh, full plasma with full color and video and, and all that other jazz. But some people were going, oh, I wonder what this means for Stern Pinball app. And it's like, you know what? It doesn't really mean hardly anything else because it's not a... The, the DMD does not take up the entire back box um, no. like Jersey Jacks does. So it's just a larger DMD kind of on the lines of what Frankenstein has. Yeah, you'll notice that with Frankenstein, it's slightly bigger, but you'll notice that the the dot grouping is a lot tighter, so it looks right. a little bit crisper. And that's, I think, all we, we would see in the app. It'd only just yep, be a little bit crisper, I which is going to be really interesting to see performance-wise how they get around that. Because uh, adding another color screen layer with emulation on top of that, wow, that's going to be uh, fun times. We'll see. <laughs> we will see. Indeed, see. The first one that they have it on is Ghostbusters, isn't it? Uh, oh, no, Batman 66 is the first um, uh, table with the color DMD, isn't it, um, from Stern? So it'll be that one and then Aerosmith. Um, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. I think those will probably, you'd expect those um, maybe a year at least, I would think. Uh, from coming Let's have a look at the titles they're releasing now. Yeah. Have a look at the titles they're releasing now. Like, or they're just announcing now. Like, we're talking Ghostbusters is a future title. Um, and that mm, that will probably be out for about a year by the time they get around to doing it. Um, Nelly as well. That's, or Nelly. Yeah. Nelly has been out for a while, but that won't be a big challenge for them, I don't think. Um, but, you know, I think... It seems that in these early stages, it looks like they're about a year behind. Um, which the is fine. Release, which it's not great, though, because it's, I don't know, you might look at it as like the, the, the relationship that movie theaters and home video had, where 
they wouldn't release it for a certain amount of months after because they need the studios to get and the cinemas to get the most sort of gameplay out of it and arguably you could say the same about this app and a physical pinball table in the fact that you want the arcade owners to get maximum coin drops into it while it's new but you know there's an opportunity here to actually have the app as a companion to the pinball machine so a lot of locations might not actually have um, their machines in the same place for a year so you know it might be down your pub for a year and then it finally comes out on pinball okay and you can like learn the rules and really get into it better and then it goes so you know you don't really have a chance to exploit it anymore or like you really get into it well here's so what i would that say as well i would say that stern is probably going to wait and see what the release of this app does for interest in their more modern tables that people can actually still get a hold of if they True. start seeing an uptick in sales of their tables then that would probably inspire stern to maybe push to get these uh newer Close tables to. out closer to actual release mm -hmm. um the idea eventually i believe that they had mentioned uh stern mentioned not farsight um was that if mm -hmm. you could get it out in beta form out to the public then they could test their code <laughs> um with real users rather than wait yeah. for it to hit the market and then tweak the code um because again it's mm -hmm. virtual it's all digital and by nature of being digital, you have Farsight build it. Then you give it to your engineers at, at, at Stern. Now they're able, able to actually play it, not Whitewood, but play a digital version with your code um, and see how it goes. You know, you can make all sorts of tweaks then digitally. Hey, here's a new CAD file. That's right. Let's try this, you know, and see how it, it, it functions. So I'm not, I'm not concerned right now because I think that Stern's very much in a wait and see uh, mm. approach. And Farsight obviously needs to get get in a rhythm and know how to produce these tables so that uh, they could, uh, you know, be truthful with Far with uh, with Stern about saying, "Hey, we can turn around a table once you give us all the files in X amount of time, and then That's maybe right. it, can, it can be worked into the pipeline that way." Um, yes. But for now, I think something being a year out is not terrible. No, there's a lot of good titles that are still in the backlog that they need to get into, like you know things like Metallica and all these other ones right. that are like still waiting to be done. There's a lot of meat that they can get into there. Yeah. So let them cut their teeth on those ones, and then at least you say after they get accustomed to the how delivery works um, yeah. and the quality levels that Stern require um, as the client in the app, um, then I guess they'll be in a better position to then estimate how long it's going to take them to do this. Yes, but of course. That's just us speculating, which is our favorite thing to yeah. do. <laughs> which we're accustomed to doing. So, <laughs> yes. If you expected things to change in 2017 for the Blockade podcast, you are sorely mistaken. Yeah. Speaking of sorely disappointed, have you checked out our t shirts yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's because right. we're sorely yeah, we disappointed that nobody's buying them. Um, but hey, if you want to buy them, you can go ahead and go to represent.com slash blockade dash shirt and then you'll be able to uh, purchase one and as usual you can uh, check out the show notes at our website blockadepinball.com uh, that's where any of the links that we talk about in the show get uh, posted so that you don't have to write them down while you're listening why don't you check that's us out fun. on twitter uh we are at blockade for the show proper but if you want to hear more personal musings then you can uh go at jared morgues 
and see what the convict down under uh, mm -hmm. enjoys talking about. Most of it has to do with uh, doc writing. <laughs> yep, technical writing and pinball and um, it's funny things that developers do. Yes, um, <laughs> programming related stuff. So another prop for me, if you if you like really cool tropical storm pictures, any that roll over North Lakes, I take photos of. And they're normally pretty impressive. So if you don't live in an area with big tropical storms, that's another reason to follow my Twitter. Exactly. Otherwise, get stuff. Uh, if your bag is more in line with uh, <laughs> more in line with uh, movies and entertainment, um, then why don't you go ahead and follow me at Shut Your Traps on Twitter? Uh, you can also email us. We do appreciate the emails. We enjoy uh, seeing if you have any show topics that you'd like us to touch upon. We've got a rather large list that uh, we'll start getting into next week. Um, but you can email us mm. blah blah blockade at gmail.com. Hey, uh, we really do appreciate you listening to us and uh, we enjoy doing this. Get ready for a full year more of our nonsense and blathering. And uh, if you're interested in hearing more about the movies that I saw in 2016 and actually looking forward to some movies in 2017, then once you download the blockade backroom that'll be coming up presently all right jared until next week adios adios amigos wizardamusement.com the west coast leader in classic pinball makers of custom pinball shooter rods buyer specifications swap out your standard ball plunger with something themed to your specific table installs in less than five minutes with no custom tools even if you don't own a table looks great as a pinball memento to admire Prices start at $39, but mention Blockade Podcast to receive 10% off your order. WizardAmusement.com. Sales, restoration, customization. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast hosting service that Blockade is delivered to. We can't prove unless you tell us how. Now stop listening and play some pinball. Contains little to no actual talk about pinball. Uh, it's the new year, and every new year I go about doing uh, my annual list of movies that I've saw in 2016. Hooray! 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 <laughs> <laughs> this is this is Jared's favorite segment because I bet Jared has seen maybe 10 percent of anything that I uh, list, <laughs> and that's being generous. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, because, you know, on the flight over when in our Euro trip extravaganza, they actually had a lot of movies that basically hadn't even been released here in Australia mm -hmm. um, or some that had just been, like, finished uh, their season here in Australia. So I did actually catch up with quite a few movies on the plane. So there might be a little bit of overlap here. You never know. Well, we'll see. But uh, this year I saw, new to me, 99 movies. N 99. Yes, as in, in the year 2016. That, that uh, new to you, 99. Okay, so that's yes. not 99 actual releases that were released in 2016. Because right, because it's one of those things where I can't, <laughs> I can't possibly keep up with movies in the theater. Um, so uh, this year, I only actually saw 14 movies in the movie theater. Everything okay. else was on Netflix or rentals. Um, that's how I catch up with most stuff. And obviously, movies that come out in December, which are your awards movie bait. Um, those uh, I don't see them in in the theater in December, right at Christmas time or whatever, because most of them don't even get wide release until January, 
Um, and so those are the ones I'd catch later on. But uh, anyway, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to rattle through uh, my best, my better than average, my worst. And then uh, what we're going to do is save the rest of the conversation for a, uh, a backroom uh, blockade. That way we can actually Hello. get to pitball talk. <laughs> um, so this being a rather sucky year for movies, um, it hasn't been it was, super great, has it? Like it's no, it was hmm. it was rather depressing. Um, my best list doesn't even come to ten movies, and three of them were from twenty fifteen. <laughs> mm. So yeah, okay, yeah. that's that's short. Yeah, it is short. Uh, uh, topping out my my favorite of the year, uh, Deadpool, which if you had have asked mm. me in February that that would have been my favorite of the year I would have laughed because I enjoyed the hell out of it but I didn't I there was a whole bunch of movies that were coming out that I was like oh surely those are gonna be better and nope not so much um then uh, rounding out the rest of, uh, in no particular order uh Captain America Civil War um Steve Jobs okay. which has fantastic writing um the big short which totally explained the housing market crash here in America and just really hit me because it turns out that I was one of those people that bought while <laughs> this whole sequence of events was happening. Um, and I remember seeing the big short. It was, it was awesome. Harrowing. The, the movie itself, you just, the, the dude who, who predicted it and had to hold out yes. until it actually happened, he had balls of steel. Like, yeah. All the investors just going, sell, sell, give me my money back. He was just going, nope, it's going to happen. Just chill. Yeah, you really wouldn't. You really wouldn't think that a movie about mortgages would be the least bit in, interesting. It's, but uh, it is a fantastic movie. Out, it's like watching I would, Ocean's Eleven. Um, yeah, it is. It is uh, an amazing bit of cinema. Uh, just the story it tells, and just how terrible the the mortgage market is in America for it to happen yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, um, then I got. Ghostbusters, uh, the extended cut for the 2016 version, and that really is on here purely because yep. it's absolutely stunning 3D, and uh, even if you're watching mm. it 2D, it's a fantastic presentation, one of the the best disc presentations of a movie I've seen in a long time, and so it it gets on this list purely for that. Um, I did enjoy the movie, though. Uh, um, I saw it on the plane. So it wasn't any sort of good quality, like, you know, super <laughs> Blu-ray quality or anything because it was on a, right. a, a plane system, but it was a, had the right balance of humor. It was silly. It was great. It was pretty much Ghostbusters, what Ghostbusters needed to be. And it was good to see how they incorporated the original actors back into the movie again. Um, yeah. So in different, completely parallel universe roles, which I thought was really cool. Um, I also saw Creed and uh, put that on my best. Now, that is the, uh, you might call it the Rocky reboot. Okay. Um, and it's one of those one. films where, <laughs> you know, Rocky movies are really, 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 really good uh, when you see them in a movie theater because mm. you feed off the crowd. And this one I saw at home, and it was still just really, really good because it really... Uh, 
it really comes full circle on Rocky's story, even though he's not the star of the of the movie. He winds up being the trainer. But if you were to watch the original Rocky, I would say watch Rocky three, and then watch uh, Rocky Balboa, and then this. You would have the total summation of um, of the Rocky story. Um, okay. In more of a with Rocky three being kind of the cheese. <laughs> of of any of them, but Not Rocky, gross. Rocky Balboa, and Creed yeah. are very much played straight. Um, but I can't, I can't right. recommend Rocky movies. Not have Rocky three. So, anyway, hmm. um, last of my best uh, for 2016 that I saw, The Shallows. That's the one with uh, Blake Lively. The She's a surfer. And the shock. Shit. Yep. That I terrible. It's absolutely <laughs> terrible. I know. <laughs> On the trailers, I, I just I hated it. I know. Yeah. I really thought, oh, this is going to be just complete cheese. And you know what? It's going to be like shark bait or something terrible like that. You know? Right, because it's one of those <laughs> things where you're like, well, why in the hell is the shark hanging around? What, has it got a vendetta? You know, you don't buy, you wouldn't buy any of this, right? Well, no. here's the thing. There's a whale that died out in the shallows. Uh -huh. And so a shark is feeding off this thing. Yeah. And so that's why it's sticking around, because this is a huge food source for it. But it can't help but when there's active swimmers in the water, go after them too. Um, why not? You know, fresh meat. Yeah, you know, fresh meat. Um, <laughs> but it's really played out quite interesting. And it's one of these things where it's, in a lot of ways, think of it as uh, a movie where somebody is trapped and air is escaping the room. You know, that they, the oxygen is escaping. It's that same kind of feel, except for here you're not talking about oxygen. It's, the water is rising on this it's tide. Yeah, the tide is rising, and soon she's going to be shark meat um, or shark bait. So, it, so it's a suspenseful. It's not really horror, but it's like suspense. Um, suspense thriller, and, it, thriller, and sort of. it plays out fairly realistically for the most part. And I found the conclusion of it exceedingly satisfying. So it just was. A lot of times, like things that. that make my best list are make it purely for the fact that they stick with me, and I can still recall many sequences in them. Um, okay, I might add uh, that one to my wish list thing because I've been it's available now on Google Play, yeah. Um, so I might rent it and give it a go, yeah. Like I said, you normally, it, I really didn't have high expectations for it. Maybe that's the other thing, I didn't have high expectations and it exceeded what expectations I did, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, moving on to my better than average, uh, that I saw, these are films that I mm. thought were I had a really good time watching them. Um, I would recommend them to anybody. But I didn't like them enough that I would be like, yeah, that was, you know, that was the best of the year. Amazing. And, and like I said, yeah. this year has been so just, eh. Um, yeah. You've you know, sort of had to go back into the back catalog to sort of get anything you'd want to really watch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, interestingly yeah. enough, some of these better than average, I actually did purchase because I can't help it, and you'll figure out which ones I did. So here we go. Uh, better than average. And okay. uh, these I, these. These are listed in the order that I actually saw them throughout the year. Um, so uh, first one, Chef. That's the John Favreau runs a uh, food truck. Yeah, that uh, was awesome. Love that movie. Yep, that was pretty good. Uh, Straight out of Compton, which is yep. really, really solid. H's mm -hmm. biography, something. No, NWAs. <laughs> NWA. Someone else. <laughs> Not by nature would be a RB grab, uh, group. <laughs> That'd be a different talent yeah. completely. Um, Zootopia, uh, yep, like which that. was the uh, was you know, an animated movie. Yeah, it's fun. Um, the Hateful Eight, 
look, I pretty much love anything Tarantino, and although it wasn't uh, as good as Django Unchained or uh, Inglorious Bastards, you know his recent stuff. I still am a sucker for his writing, and that's one of those that I, I purchased. Um, in the Heart of the Sea, which is the Moby Dick retelling, uh, no. Ron Howard movie. Uh, the Revenant, just a brutal film. Um, yeah, I remember you talking about The Revenant when it was released, just how brutal it was, I think, um, at some point. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think I'd want to go and see that one. That's not really something I'd dig. It's, it's uh, not exactly I've described it as... Um, <laughs> Um, like brutality porn or something like that. Someone had a, a name for it. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, just, yeah, not really my idea of a fun romp in the cinema. Movies like that are, are though, I like watching them because I sit there and I go, oh, holy crap, I would die in about 10 minutes <laughs> in mm. back in those times. It's just, yep. I can't imagine what people had to go through to live through uh that sort Just, of hardship. Yeah, that's very, of it's, it's incredible. Um, X-Men Apocalypse. It was, I found it disappointing for what I hoped it would be, but I love X-Men movies, so it still, <laughs> it still ranks better than average for me. But I think uh, I watched it on the plane. I think it was, I forget. It, it was that good. <laughs> I forgot. I don't know what I watched it on the plane. Yeah, but. I mean, it's, it's certainly not, uh, <laughs> it's certainly not, you know, one of the better X-Men movies, but mm. uh, again, uh, apart from X-Men, the last stand, I love all of them. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a sucker for them. What can I say? Um, a movie called man up. This is a British rom-com stars, Simon Pegg. And, um, ah, I'm going to blank on the gal's name. Um, she's on children's hospital, uh, uh Blake, uh, Lake bell, Lake bell. That's who it is. Okay. Um, no idea. And uh, I'm, I normally don't watch rom-coms. This thing pretty much went through every romantic comedy trope and flipped it on its head and found a really original way of telling a dating story. Um, so I rather enjoyed it for that. Okay. Um, the side story that I thought was hilarious is Lake Bell, she's American, but she didn't bother telling anybody that when she went and made the movie over in Britain, mm -hmm. she had a British accent that she never oh. ever dropped the entire time she was there. And everybody thought she was British. <laughs> and, <laughs> and at the end of, and the movie is kind of about a gal that takes somebody else's, uh, identity by mistake. You might say, and gets paired up with somebody else, uh, you know, for a blind date. And yep. at the very end, at the rap party, she was like, you know, I just want to say, you know, this movie is about, you know, taking other people's identity. And then she went into her American accent and she got booed. <laughs> Everybody was she deeply, got booed. Yes, by the crew. Everybody was deeply offended that she had fooled them this entire time. <laughs> oh, well, sucks to be them. They should have yep. picked it. Uh, <laughs> moving, moving quickly through here. Uh, let's see. Finding Dory. Nothing wrong with that. A very serviceable Pixar movie. That was, it was a lot of, uh, <laughs> it was a lot of, uh, completely unbelievable crap in there, but yeah, whatever. Let's go along yep. with the story, shall we? Exactly. Um, <laughs> Doctor Strange, which I thought was a pretty damn good Marvel movie also. Haven't seen that yet. I think it's probably something I'm going to try and see at some point, probably like three years from now. <laughs> so I tend um, to do with all the Marvel movies. These next two, everybody went gaga for, uh, or at least a lot of my friends did, and I just kind of went, well, it was enjoyable, but I didn't go like, oh my gosh. Uh, first one, Hell or High Water. Um, 
couple of crooks in Texas robbing banks um, because the bank is trying to rob them. <laughs> um, and the other one is uh, Arrival, which is aliens. Oh, yeah, uh, I saw that. Yeah, aliens come down and uh, we try and learn how to communicate with them. Again, I, I enjoyed it. Boring as hell. You found it boring? boring as hell. See, that director, he plays yeah. everything very neutral. He doesn't try and put you on a roller coaster. He doesn't try and push your emotional buttons. He just kind of lets the story tell its story. Um, mm. And yeah, fortunately, there's certain key <laughs> elements in there that I like, but I know people that just went nuts for it. So they got a huge, like, on when I was decided to rent it and say, oh, this has got amazing reviews. We should watch it. Like, it had like a, a 90 or something like that mm -hmm. on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. And I've since found out that Rotten Tomatoes seems to be a terribly poor judge of an enjoyable film. <laughs> because there's been a couple of other like 90s ranked things. I think Sausage Party was one that I saw the other day. Yep. It had like a score of like 83 or 85. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Like it was <laughs> mildly amusing. And the end scene, which I won't spoil for you if you haven't seen it, but it, seen it's, it. Um, it, it was just Seth doing all the things that he wanted to do in a movie and couldn't because in a live action movie. So he made an animated movie. Right. And, and just basically mind vomited all over the screen. See, um, I'm not a huge <laughs> Seth Rogen fan at all. Um, I kind of find him annoying. Yeah. So uh, that's why I haven't watched well, that one. Maybe just get this one out as a rental and, and switch your brain off and go along with the party. Yeah. <laughs> Some funny elements in it, but it's. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Favreau makes another appearance on the Better Than Average list as a director with the Jungle Book, the live action version. Um, all right, really, that was all right, wasn't it? Found it just completely enjoyable. Um, and I'm not usually a fan of these taking something animated, you know, Disney and live actioning it. Um, because too often it's just like, well, why didn't I just watch the cartoon? Um, mm. but I thought it was really, really well done, and especially since there ain't a single creature or jungle that was actually real, the entire thing <laughs> was filmed in downtown LA in a at a sound stage. So, I was gonna. Uh, on the subject of that, I I actually managed to go and see Rogue One on the weekend. Yeah. There's plenty of uncanny valley in there, isn't there? You know I didn't is? have a problem where, with where it, and look... and actually Rogue One made my better than average list. Um, it didn't bother me in the least. Truth be told, <laughs> I was looking at going. Mm, something's just not right here. <laughs> yeah, you know, some people, some people, um. Uh, I won't spoil the, well, I mean, by now it's got to be spoiled for how many people have seen it, but uh, one of the people, it's, they brought back General Tarkin, uh, yeah. or Grand Moff, Grand Moff uh, Tarkin, and yeah. they did it through CGI and actor and, you know, all that. It didn't bother me in the least. I think I was just kind of engrossed in the fact that he was there and telling the story, so I wasn't bothered by it. I know some people are. Um, my problem with Rogue I really One... enjoy the story, I'll put it that way. Hmm. My problem with Rogue One was the first half of the movie, where it's basically them assembling the group of rebels that's going to go steal the the plans. I didn't find yeah. the assembly of the troop all that interesting. Now, part of the reason yeah. also might have been I saw it at ten forty five at night and I was fighting off sleep. Uh, <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah, see, I saw it during the day and I, I didn't really have a problem with that. I sort of took it as more like establishing, you know, for the end, the big end scene, like it yeah. was a build up to it. But it's also one of those things where I don't, apart from Jin, I couldn't tell you a single character name. The no, names were impossibly difficult. Um, <laughs> they None of them rolled off the tongue, and so that kind of bugged me. What I really did like, though, was the whole end sequence, because um, I'm not 
I'm not a Return of the Jedi hater. I have no problem with the Ewoks. As a matter of fact, I absolutely love the Ewok battle. I love the space battle. I could care less about Luke battling the Emperor and Darth Vader. So I always mm. would fast forward through the through the uh, lightsaber battle and just go to the space and Ewok battle. And yep. I love about Rogue One, no lightsaber battle, but we had a space battle and we had a ground battle going on at the same time. I was like, woohoo, you cut out the fat. It was pretty love good. It. It, was, <laughs> it was great. Space and it's like, and they were both really great. Like yeah. the, the battles and the just the sequence of events in, the, in those both of those things, they felt like they actually really did feel like a war. Yeah. And I think sometimes you, you see the big, like the massive scenes and stuff like the Clone Wars and something like that, you know, and it was just like this, it was just too much. But I think in this particular movie, they got the balance right. Yeah, It, it was believable, I think. <laughs> believable from a science fiction perspective that it was yeah, a battle. It's, it's one of those, I, def I definitely need to give it another uh, another shake, whether I see it in the theater again, or I'll definitely buy it once it comes out on Blu-ray, but uh, yeah. anyway, uh, moving on. That's the fine. Accountant, Ben Affleck, slightly autistic. He's uh, an assassin. Sounds completely stupid. And yet it was pretty dang good. Um, All right. in, a, as in a B-movie sort of way, it was Way better than it should have been. Let's put it to you that way. Um, uh, not as good as I thought The Shallows was, but it's that same kind of where you saw the trailers and you're like, what? Oh, come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, I gave right. it a shake and, uh, and I, I enjoyed it. Um, Bloodfather. You may be going, huh? what the heck's that? Mel Gibson. No idea. Mel okay. Gibson. Uh, Ex-con. Daughter gets in trouble. And he tries to get her out of trouble, and trouble tries to get him, and he shows him what for. So it's Mel going crazy, which I love. <laughs> Nobody does crazy Fair like enough. that. So, uh, yeah, it's true. Really, I mean, it, it was, I don't, it might have had like a two week release in the theaters, and then it went straight to uh, uh, digital download, which a lot of times you sit there and you go, uh oh, mm. that's a bad sign. But yeah, that's the bad song. You know what? Absolutely, give it a shake. I I really thought it was much better than what you would think. Um, and again, if you're a fan of Mel just getting angry, then you'll have a good time. And then the last one uh, that yeah. I saw on this list uh, for the year is called Green Room. Green Room is about a punk band that goes and does a gig at what winds up being a white supremacist clubhouse, <laughs> and. Uh, that is owned by Patrick Stewart, and <laughs> okay, things go bad, and they need to escape and get out. It is a brutal, brutal movie that is absolutely a thriller and uh, quite good. Okay, it, it, it's very enjoyable. Um, and that's all I'll tell you about the movie, but yeah, it's it, it like I said. Punk band playing in a white supremacist clubhouse that's headed by Patrick Stewart. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would have been an interesting pitch to the studio. <laughs> yeah. Um, my worst for the year, uh, Need for Speed. I believe we talked about this in, mm -hmm. a, in a former podcast. Hot Tub yes. Time Machine 2. I believe we talked about that one being just <laughs> every bit as terrible as the first one was good. Um, right. Uh, the Vacation remake, which just made me very, very sad. <laughs> um, Poltergeist reboot. Uh, when you can't even do a single thing slightly better than the original, 
just give up. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. Uh, one that is nowhere near from uh, 2015. As a matter of fact, it's from the early 90s. But there was a director's cut that I finally got around to seeing, and that is Nightbreed. Wow, okay. what a terrible piece of crap movie that it was. It's a uh, Clive Barker film. Uh, All right. And I, it's one of those that I kind of went, wait, there was a time I actually liked this movie. And thinking, and the director's cut was supposed to fix any of the problems that were with the original. And instead, I came away just going, who read this and went, yeah, green like that? There's like, because I've read the actual story, the book that he wrote mm. about it. And the book was pretty good. The movie, absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then last but not least, uh, what? why couldn't I have this on my worst list when everybody else did uh, Mordecai, which was that Johnny Depp movie with his mustache and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was in it and it's dreadful. And I pretty much watched it all the way through because I couldn't turn away from the train wreck. <laughs> you hate watched it. You pretty actually hate much. watched it all the way through. Pretty much. Yeah. Um. So anyway, that's that's our that's my my annual movie list. Uh, again, I can go into uh, more because there's many more, like all my special awards um, that we can get to uh, later in a in a yes in a blockade back room. Okay, yeah. let's get well, into some pinball, shall we? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> okay. Um, first things first. 